0: Greetings listeners in Listenerland. Welcome to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston where we size up current and historic events involving people, places, and things in areas such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, government, health, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports. We originate from and connect the Gateway City to what is happening regionally, nationally, and internationally. Good day to you, Mark. <laughs> it is a good day. You know, I'm to the point now with my age,
1: I, I don't want to talk, <laughs> that I'm not that old, but it's good to get up every day, just to know I can get up and get out of bed. And uh, so that's, that's good.
0: Absolutely. And, and we're going to run to our return to civility today. Uh-oh. We're running to this one because <laughs> okay. it is extremely relevant in what's going on in our, in our culture today. There is a marked decline in something we value. It's the destruction of civility, said the Duke. 20 years ago, people may have had their differences of opinion. Of course they did, but they did not abuse one another for it. They respected those whom with whom they disagreed. They spoke courteously. Oh, boy. That's... Good advice. Best advice I've heard in a while. It's actually. really good advice. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. We've got uh, people that are kind of just out of control. Yeah, that's true. Well, there is a guest that we're going to be talking to. He's got a lot of control. Yeah. <laughs> He's a guitarist, songwriter, recording engineer, producer, and former music professor who played with Wild Cherry, mm. Molly Hatchett. And currently plays with Foghat. He received two Grammy nominations, an American Music Award, two Platinum Records, three Gold Records, six records he engineered, reached number one on the Living Blues radio charts. has appeared on the Grammy Awards Midnight Special, Don Kirshner's Rock Concert. Mm. And when he was with Wild Cherry, they toured with Average White Band, Isley Brothers, Earth, Wind & Fire, Jackson 5, and the Commodores. We're talking to guitarist Brian Bassett from wow. Foghat. Welcome, Brian, to St. Louis Tune.
2: Well, thanks a lot. Uh,
0: <laughs> While you guys are going to be playing, I'm going to kick this off right away. April the 13th at 8 p.m. at the Lincoln Theater in downtown Belleville, and mm. what a concert that's going to be! You're you've been on on tour this whole time, or you're, this is where is this in your tour schedule?
2: This is uh, really sort of the beginning of our tour. Uh, we we had played a couple shows. We did a cruise not too long ago, uh, but really we kick off in uh, the end of March, and uh, you know and our main touring season is pretty much may through november so we'll be out there all year long
0: and you do like a gig a week or a gig every couple of weeks or how how frequently are your are your shows i think
2: once we get into the summer we're three or four a week and uh other than that you know, two or three is probably my, our average
0: wow so you have to have some kind of endurance to do that but you've been doing this a long time being on the road
2: I have, uh you know, our our saying is uh we play for free, we get paid to travel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well take us take us back to that uh harmony rock guitar that you first got when you were a kid. Oh, boy. And what what was the the motivation for you to really go and and really hone those skills on that guitar and and how old were you i'd like i'd like to know how old you were when you started there
2: i was uh probably a pre-teen i think i was probably 12 13 and uh you know ed sullivan show with all the great british invasion bands you know was on every weekend and i think everyone in my neighborhood either got a guitar or you know some kind of a snare drum or something so wow. there was a lot of basement garage bands that you know in mm-hmm. those couple years there and uh once i got that that red guitar it was a bright red harmony rocket one i just rebought one on ebay not too long ago too it's Aww. not the exact one but the same model uh just to relive it but when i opened up that case on uh, you know it was a santa claus gift and uh and santa claus my parents of course they uh they included a couple jeff beck records so they they put oh. up a, a pretty <laughs> now you know i don't know if that was my chance but i was like okay well what a way to start you know trying to copy jeff beck my favorite guy over the years but,, uh, yeah, it was uh you know that new guitar smell it, you know, I went nuts and um had some uh, guitar lessons by a local uh old big band guitarist Jerry Condorado is a, a a nice old Italian gentleman he used to drive up in his rambler, and my mother would chase my sisters out of the house, and I'd you know once a week had a lesson, so I uh, got off to a good start and just got the bug real early, wow, and Mom and
1: dad were rockers then with Jeff Beck.
2: <laughs> I know could you imagine uh, Yeah. Like, okay, well. <laughs> That's they great could have like Lord Gloria or you know I I
1: my mom and dad were listening to Nat King Cole stuff like that. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, uh, what, Herb Albert and the Tijuana brass. Right. You know, and I say yeah, well that was a good one. It was, but I was like, hey, I want to hear some rock. Can I hear some yeah. rock and roll? It you might know. blow up the record plan, Oh
0: yeah. You know? Yeah, they didn't like that. <laughs> so you, you mentioned uh Jerry and what you know, musicians always have an affinity for their teachers in in one way or the other. A lot of times they, they love them or they hate them. And uh, he obviously gave you a lot of good uh, foundational skills. What are some of those skills that you really got from Jerry that helped you become a, uh, the guitar player that you are today?
2: You know, uh, he was not a rocker at all. <laughs> and I learned all uh, these the old big band classics. And so he taught me to read music, first of all. Uh, and then we worked out of the Mel Bay system, you know, one through 12, there's little, the books, you know, as you advanced in technique, but he, that's what he taught me really was proper technique, hand position, um, and reading. And, uh, you know, of course I applied that to, uh, after he left, I'd slap on a Kinks record or something, but uh, <laughs> when he was there, you know, we learned these very basic, uh, songs, um. But, uh, you know, I learned proper hand technique, really. That was what he taught me, and reading, I think, were the two main
0: things. So when you go away to University of Pittsburgh and and you're working on your degree and you're kind of playing in some groups and things like that, uh, just kind of catching up with other guitar players and exchanging uh, stories and exchanging some kind of, uh, you know, chords or things that you're doing?
2: Absolutely, yes. And uh, Pittsburgh was a really... Great Music City at that time. I mean, there was dozens of clubs to play. You know, I we played one of my early bands. We would play five nights a week in a different club every night, and uh, you know, cover music, of course. And we were just beginning to learn to write songs, but mostly we were playing top forty. But it was a real proving ground for uh, learning your craft. And uh, and uh, I didn't, really, if it wasn't for that, I, I doubt I, I would be what or I am today. And uh, it was just so many great musicians over the years. And then in the 70s, um, you know, during Wild Cherry era, there was dozens of groups playing original music. It was almost like Seattle became later on as a you know music hub. And um, so, yeah, it was a beautiful place to learn to play. And, uh, you know, eventually we had that hit record out of there.
0: So you were, what, 22 when that uh, number one hit? Game and uh, that's right wow wow and and you guys had been playing together for for how long
2: just a couple of years uh, but we uh rob parisi who was the band leader and wrote you know wrote play that funky music um had a band called wild cherry before i joined and he had disbanded it and decided to give up music and he was managing some restaurants and uh, that lasted about a year and uh, you know i told him when he broke his band up i said if you ever get back in the music business give me a call which he did not too long, uh, you know, later. And uh, we added a bass player and a drummer, my friend Ronnie Beidel and Alan Wentz. Um, You know, we did some auditions. And Ronnie I had played with in a previous band. And that was the quartet that uh, we started playing. So we already, you know, he had a great reputation in all the clubs in the tri-state area, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania. That was our sort of stomping grounds. And so we went right up on the, you know, club basically and really you know that was the time when music was changing we were playing like robin trower Foghat, led zeppelin uh but then the commodores came out a casey you know david bowie fame and yeah. all these funk songs were coming yeah. you know the whole s- sound was changing mm-hmm. but we, you know we were really adept at uh, learning what was current and we really changed our sound from rock to what i want to call rock you know funk rock we mm-hmm. tried to do rock sounds with you know, funk beats, dance beats. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, you know, the song is autobiographical. Someone actually did come up to our drummer at a gig and said, hey, you better start playing some funky music, white boy. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I, I was going to ask that. I, I read that in another interview, and I was, I, I was going to, you know, probe you about that, the auto, autobiographical uh, nature of that song. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what it was? Yeah, we...
2: Yeah, we played uh, these big discos. They were 2001 discos, and at the time, that was a futuristic name, you know, because <laughs> oh, yeah So, but, you know, there was, the dance floor would be packed and listening to the, you know, Commodores, you know, Earth, mm-hmm. Wind and & Fire, and, and as soon as we start playing our set in between the DJ, you know, it was like crickets were out there, you know, and everyone <laughs> once got a drink. <laughs> and that's what someone actually did say to our drummer, you know, you better play some funky music, like, boys. Whoa, and, uh, wow. you know, he's, Love it. You know, and uh, we, uh, Ronnie came back to the dressing room and told Rob that. We all laughed, and Rob started writing the song that night, actually, you know, in the club on a napkin.
0: Wow. And I kind of want to. Uh,
1: what a story. Yeah, you I know, love and it. Those are how those
0: songs happen, is that they're kind of, uh, oh, yeah. you know, right off the cuff. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, right. And, you know, we were, I guess, styled ourselves after the Commodores in particular. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I like the band Trapeze, you know, which is yeah. a great you know, great band, and, um, you know, yeah. had sort of like funk, funky elements, but rock and roll sounds, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I, in my head, I was, you know, what Robert Palmer later did, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's the sound I was having in my head, and, uh, you know, we went a little bit more R&B-ish, I think, but, um, but but then we got to play with so many great bands, you know, on tour, it was, you know, that song went up the charts so fast, and all of a sudden, we're touring with the Commodores and Earth, When the
0: Fire, and, wow, yeah.
2: you know, Average White Band, and, mm-hmm. You know, it was pretty amazing, really.
0: So those all became influences, I'm presuming, in how you produce and how you write Mm -hmm. now and and even how you perform.
2: Yeah, very much so. And uh, after, you know, the the 70s and after I left Wild Cherry, I actually went into the studio uh, down here in Florida. I relocated to Florida. I met a guy named Bob Greenlee who owned a record label called Kingsnake Records. It was an indie blues label. Hmm. And, uh, And I was an engineer, producer, session guitarist for a lot of blues acts. Had, you know, Kenny Neal, you yeah. know, Rufus Thomas. Wow. Just say, I mean, we did a, hundred, a couple hundred records over the course of 15 years there. So that really, you know, then I really delved into uh, American blues, which was the funny thing about uh, growing up being a British Invasion fan. fan. Right, right. You know, you start seeing these songwriters, you know, who's Muddy Waters? You know, who's Otis Rush? Who, who right. are these guys? And then right. you start discovering... America's blues mm-hmm. roots and how much it, you know, meant to the British guys, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's funny how that, uh, you know, I liked all the British guitar players, Peter Green, you know, Jeff Beck, of course, Eric Clapton, but they were all enamored with the American players, so it's mm-hmm. funny how that went back and forth. Yeah. You know, yes. But that really, that really developed my style, I guess, you know, the, the blues and, and then rock on top of that. That's my natural style as blues, rock, guitar. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and then you, you kind of went to uh, Molly Hatchet for a while and oh, played with them. Love it.
2: I did. and uh, Fun band. You know, I, I like Southern rock. I, you know, I didn't know that much about it, really, but uh, I was on tour with Lonesome Dave in Europe, and we were oh, yeah. playing with Molly Hatchet, mm-hmm. and... Uh, and Fogcat, this is, I guess, you know, we're jumping ahead to about 90, uh, uh, 89, I guess, 90 through 92. I played with Dave. And uh, the original, all the original members of Fogcat were reforming in 92, and I just finished a tour with Molly Hatchett, and Danny Joe asked me onto his bus and asked if I would join his band. Um, mm. He knew that, that I was basically out of a job. So uh-huh. I said, uh, he said, you want to join our band? I go, uh, yes, sir, I do. Thank you. And, uh, <laughs> but we, I did three albums with him, and it was very challenging from a guitar standpoint, although oh, a lot of harmony guitars, you know.
0: Hmm. Not unlike
2: uh, the Allman Brothers, but a little bit more rock-oriented, mm-hmm. really.
0: Mm-hmm. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston of St. Louis in Tune. We're talking to Brian Bassett, who's a guitarist for Foghat. They're going to be performing at the Lincoln Theater in downtown Belleville, April the 13th. I'm kind of enamored by studio musicians, and you've you've done some, like a, you were a studio house in a studio house band, and how a lot of times they are heard on a lot of records and for a, for a lot of uh, performers, but people really don't know who they are. And what was that experience like?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, what I loved about it, when I had a band in Pittsburgh after Wild Cherry, we would try, you know, We had a great band. We were sort of Night mm-hmm. Ranger style. We had good management. The guys that manage sticks now, uh, Charlie Bresco was our manager back then, but we could not get a record deal and it was very frustrating to have a lot of great songs and just have them die on the vine you know it was really difficult to make a record in those days mm. you know it wasn't like now with the laptop i'm in fact you know mixing on a laptop the new fog at record as we speak but oh, wow. back then you needed the, the backing and the distribution and everything of a record company and without the deal you didn't really go anywhere so when i got the opportunity to work with an independent. Record label, you know, we didn't sell millions of records, we sold thousands of records. If we sold 25,000 records, we were ecstatic (laughs) blues records. But what what I loved about it was we were able to get a band in and, you know, work on a record and put it out, you know, and the the group would have merchandise to sell on the road. You know, we were on all the college radio stations and anyone Mm -hmm. that featured blues. So just to have, be able to do projects, have it completed, get a product in your hand, that was very satisfying in that time. Mm -hmm. You know, when it was very difficult for bands to get record deals. So we helped a lot of young artists.
0: Now, when was it that you really started to pick up uh, slide guitar and and, and use some of the slides in in your performances? Was that when you were at the university?
2: You know, I played a little bit of, you know, as a session musician, I played a little slide. But when I met Lonesome Dave, uh, the great guitarist Pat Travers, who was a friend of ours when I moved to Florida, brought Dave to uh, one of our... I had a quartet called Blue House and we played every weekend in Orlando and he brought Lonesome Dave to one of our shows and we played very eclectic you know songs by uh you know southern southeastern blues guys Lightning Slim you know Lonesome Sundown all these really you know odd songs <laughs> Dave knew every one of them being a the blues historian that he really was and uh we started jamming and then he asked me to go on tour with him and he goes oh you play slide by the way and I was like Oh, of course, every day. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's like an actor. Hey, do you ride a horse? Oh, yeah, I ride yeah. them all the time. Oh, yeah, but uh, so I really, when I met Dave, I really studied the song, the fog, that song songbook, intensely, and you know worked on my slide technique. So That's really when I got into it heavy.
0: Yeah. Just Discuss that because I think people, you know, I did a little research on that before we t- we uh, were getting ready to talk to you and. It's it's quite a bit different than what I thought it was, and uh, playing slide guitar, oh, and yeah. you know, we start out with Robert Randolph here on the, our mm-hmm. theme, and uh, but you know the various kinds of uh, brass, glass, mm-hmm. and ceramic that you can use, and then just some of the technique that just discuss that a little bit for for listeners so they can get, get a clue in, on what you're doing uh, when they're watching you. It's a tough thing to do.
2: Yeah. It is a very you know, intricate thing actually, and and you just brought up a good point. I mean, there's so many different techniques, so many different materials. They all sound different. You know, brass sounds great. I play ceramic, which is a you know sounds like a brass, but isn't as heavy and doesn't damage your guitar. You know, I play with a low action, lower than some. You know, because I do a lot of cording while playing slides. So. When I had a book, when I played brass for many years, it would nick the frets of my guitar. So, like, little odd things like that. Which finger you put the slide on is a big decision. Rod Price Pat and Bonnie Wright, great, say uh, play it on their second finger. Um, I play on my third finger. A lot of guys play it on their pinky. So, I mean, there's all these little, you know, deviations. And then, uh, you know, you have so many different styles of players. I mean, Warren Haynes plays great. Derek Trucks is unbelievable. Just, you know, Randolph is like you just mentioned, you know, I think he's more of a lap steel player, but right. um you know, so there's all these different techniques and then there's so many great slide players coming out of Nashville which are more country, you know, you have to decide do you want a clean Stratocaster sound or you know, I've studied Rod Price for so many years and that's loud, distorted slide through a martial amplifier, so there's all kinds of muting techniques that you do with both hands, you know, to get a clean sound. So, you know, there's you know, I, I I could probably do a series of instructional videos just to point out all these minor differences. You know, it's not just you know pick up something, put it on your finger, and slide away. There's a lot of things. What how you tune your guitar? You know, right. Johnny Winter played open A. I play open E. You know, there's different tunings um, to consider. So you know, there's a lot that goes into the, that slide technique. You know, of any great
0: player. Well, and discuss that a little bit more, Brian. In that you know, I'm a, I'm a I don't want to say former musician. I, I, I'm always a musician, but I don't play my clarinet anymore. But all the work that goes into, you know, working those things out, not in the, in the practice room, I would say, and, you know, on your own, in your room, you know, going through chords or getting, through, getting uh, fingerings down and, and things like that. How, how has that evolved for you when you finally were like, okay, I'm really kind of comfortable with the slide now, and I, I feel like I'm, I'm where I want to be?
2: You know, I've been in fog at now close to over 20 years. And um, the first five, six years, you know, I was always very picky about intonation. I think that's probably the most decisive thing when you're learning slide is mm-hmm. how to play in tune. Because mm-hmm. nothing sounds worse than a bad slide note. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. there's no hiding an out-of-tune no. note uh, when you're playing slide. You know, when you're playing regular guitar, you know, you can add some vibrato or, you know, you know, bend the note a little bit on a slide you're either hitting it or you're not so intonation is probably the best the, the best indicator of someone's level, you know skill level you know some people are natural at it. i mean i it was my that was my most difficult thing was hmm. playing in tune consistently you know some guys just have a natural thing like we do a lot of shows with george Thurgood. Oh. you know and he just he just rips away and it always sounds great so you yeah. know maybe i'm a little hard on myself but uh, you know to me that that was my biggest challenge
0: mm-hmm. and and i didn't realize you play on the fret versus between the fret
2: mm. right yeah i think that's one of the first things you figure out you know you cuz really when you you know put your fingers without a slide you're know, when you play regular guitar right. you know the, the it is stopping on the fret you're just behind it pushing right. the string down to that fret so yeah once you realize that oh yeah i got to play right on top of the fret so um yeah that's definitely uh, one of the first things you learn
0: we're talking to Brian Bassett. He's guitarist for Fog Hat. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston of St. Louis in Tune. They're going to be performing at the Lincoln Theater in downtown Belleville April the 13th at 8 p.m. You can get some tickets. Go to the Lincoln Theater Belleville.com and you can get more. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back for our next segment. You're listening to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston on the U.S. Radio Network.
1: At st louis in tune we strive to bring you informative useful and reflective stories as well as interviews about current and historic issues and events that involve people places and things we cover a wide range of topics such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, health, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports, and that's just to name a few. While St. Louis Intune originates from the Gateway City and covers local topics, we also connect to what's going on nationally as well. If you missed any of our previously aired programs of St. Louis Intune, simply visit stlintune.com. That's stlintune.com. There you'll find the show notes and everything that was mentioned in that episode and all the other great episodes as well. And if you've got an area that you'd like us to examine deeper, well, just let us know by dropping us a note at stlintune at gmail.com. That's stlintune at gmail.com. St. Louis in Tune. It's heard Monday through Friday on the Network.com and many great radio stations around the U.S. and, of course, right here in St. Louis. Our website, again, is stlintune.com. Visit us today. That's stlintune.com.
0: That was Brian Bassett on the guitar, starting that off, folks. This is Arnold Strick with Mark Langston of St. in Tune. We're talking to Brian Bassett, whose guitars for Foghat. They're going to be performing at the Lincoln Theater in downtown Belleville on April the 13th at 8 p.m. So now that... wait a I'm just I'm just jamming on this song. <laughs> oh for yeah, right. <laughs> did you is that your ringtone on your uh, phone, cause... Brian? <laughs>
2: No, not really, but uh, I think it is on my
1: daughter. <laughs> I love that song. I love that song.
0: So uh, d- did you just kind of work on that lick? or Because this is fascinating to me. I saw this, the special on the Beatles of how they were coming up with their songs and how they wrote their <laughs> lyrics and then worked out all their stuff. You know, Songs that just kind of float together in 10 minutes are rare. How did you guys put your songs together? How was that song put together, and how are you doing that with Foghat? We were
2: like so we were at that time changing our style into a you know funk style and a lot of the bands and once again the commodores in particular you know there'd be a cording you know guitarist and then a single note you know guy playing a funk you know single note line behind it that was a song structure that was common back then in fact we played a song by the commodores called i feel sanctified you know that had that same kind of combination so you know it was, it was done deliberately you know i was the single note you know guy and rob sang and you know, the uh, the big chords, you know, behind it. And, uh, you know, he had the chord structure and I just, you know, came up with that line, uh, the single that line to go along with the chord structure. So, uh, yeah, we, you know, worked it out in the basement where we rehearsed and, um, you know, we started playing it live. It's funny though, that song, you know, became very popular in our area even before we recorded it. It was like one of those songs, I think, that guys that didn't like the dance go, well, I'll try that one, I guess. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I think it's the same right. one. I mean, I'll, I always say we made the wedding circuit because, you know, every time you go to a wedding, it's on the, you know, the dance list, you know, for the after party. So that, mm-hmm. you know, Rick Howells and, uh, right. you know, all those kinds of songs. Yeah. We Are Family, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, But yeah, it's one of those songs that I think people just, you know, like to dance to. And, it, you know, I think that really did a lot for it. Plus it was kind of tongue-in-cheek funny.
1: Yeah, but it, it, it's it's part of our culture now. Right, I mean, that right. song it's it's got to be quite a thrill to to produce and write and make a song that is part of our culture that people use at their weddings and uh, just having a good time with. I mean, it's it's got that test of time, you know. That's that's a great thing to have.
2: You know. Yeah, I'm just, you know, we're all, you know, the guys in the band, we're still proud and excited that it's still out there, you know, so it gets used in movies and right. things like that. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I'll, I played a million guitar notes in my life, but those nine notes will be the ones that mm. people remember me for. So. <laughs> but, you know, it's great to be a part of a song like that. You know, it's just it, it's exciting. My kids are excited about it. And, it has
1: to be. You know, is it, it was, is it still a thrill for you to hear your song on the radio um, or playing on a movie? do you get, do you still get that, uh, does it still, you know, energize you a little bit?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's, it's a, just a point of pride really, but you know, I'd love to hear it. You mm-hmm. uh, know it's not nice to be part of people's family gatherings and, you know, to hear it at a party and, mm-hmm. you know, my sisters and, you know, all my parents with me, they were, they were always excited to hear it. And mm-hmm. I, I have a large extended family cousins and, you know, they always, drop me an email hey I heard your song here or I just walked into a bar yeah. Uh, so part- yeah that's, it's, there's nothing really as a musician there's really not too much better no, you know no. pardon me, me while the, I turn
1: it up yeah, so. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, I, I think my uh, my girls get a, get a kick out of looking at old videos you know when I had big yeah, Buffon hair. <laughs>
1: yeah, what was that all about? Come <laughs> Why? I, know, I, do,
2: I, know. I obviously used it all up by the way. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you, <laughs>
0: you used and me used both. It all up. <laughs> you and me both. Oh, I love it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love I'm always, uh, you know, I, I'm glad that you used the um, used it all southern <laughs> Southern Rock uh, uh, statement because I, I was reading something where you guys are the quote undisputed kings of boogie rock. And I, I was like, boogie rock. I like boogie rock. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. And yeah. it's like a unique mix of blues, hard rock, boogie, and signature use of slide guitar. But you know, when you talk about kind of, uh, I don't want to say this in a, in a bad way, but how people want to put people in a certain kind of box. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're, they're this kind of player there. They play in this kind of style. And that's not really what, what you have kind of, you play all different kinds of styles, but you have maybe some favorites.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I, you know, I think most musicians enjoy all kinds of music. I don't think anyone's really in their own mind pigeonholed. You know, I, I love a good country song. Mm-hmm. You know, I love you know Vince Gill. I love you know right. you know Keith Urban. I love all that. He's great. You know, yeah. two great guitar players, by oh, right yeah. the way. And you know, I love classical music. My daughter's in an orchestra at Stetson University here in Florida. You know, I love classical music. So I think most musicians have a wide range. You know, what, what's lucky for us is you know Foghat. Is a well-known name from the seventies, and most bands, you know, when you hear Deep Purple or Ozzy Osbourne or you know Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. you know, you you have that sound in your head. You know, I think it's pigeonholing is a little tougher on unknown new bands when they're trying to come up and establish their own sound, and you know they get you know put in an indie category or this kind of category, you know, and you know it's different, and you know radio is all different too than it was in the seventies. So uh, oh, yeah. you know, I'm sure you guys remember. You know, the great radio stations coming up, you know, you would hear, you know, Charlie Parker, you know, Uh Jimi Hendrix, uh, you know, Janis Joplin, (laughs) blues, you know, Uh it was very diversified, you know, so all radio stations are more split off now into country, classic rock and what what have you. So, you know, I think it's a little more difficult for the young guys now. Um, You know, everybody that has a, you know, a name in the business, you know, has their own basically, uh, their own category, you know, so. Right
0: relationship seems to have been a, a big thing for you, you know, uh, you know, Lonesome Dave and some of the other guys that you mentioned about just being able to move from group to group and not being, quote unquote, unemployed at the time. You know, would you elaborate on that for people who are kind of getting into the industry or want to get into the industry, That how important those kind of contacts are?
2: Well, you know, networking is everything in the music business, and, and I will say your musical ability, because only 50 percent of it you know your your personality uh, you know your ability to get along with people and like i said you know we play for free get paid to travel because travel you know with a bunch of guys on a tour bus especially in those in the old days you'd be gone five six eight weeks at a time on a bus you know with you know five to ten you know guys and getting along is a big part of the music business you know especially touring and live so uh you know, and then being musically versatile and open to ideas, you know, you can, you know, I consider myself a journeyman musician, so I always like collaborating with other musicians and mm-hmm. working on their music, their writing. I'm not, you know, some people are, you know, stars or singer-songwriters that are singular artists and have backing musicians. That's, you know, a concept that I see all the time, but um, that's not me, really. I'm, I'm a collaborator. I'm a band player. You know, I'm not the uh, the main guy out there, which has it comes with its own, you know, problems and its own challenges. So uh, so that's been my experience is, you know, you get a bunch of guys that get along well and play well together. And then, you know, you do you make your music.
0: Was that experience uh, when you were a professor uh, interesting? As you dealt with some music students, and what what courses did you teach? This I, I want to hear. I want to hear all about this.
2: <laughs> I yeah, this is. I, I
1: did you have Buffon? Wait, did you have Buffon here when you were a professor? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, <absolutely>, unfortunately, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wanted to see you in a tie and Buffon hair. I was, I
2: was very <laughs>
1: professor-looking. Like. <laughs>
2: okay, hey, okay. Uh, all
1: right. Sorry. I I,
2: wire rim glasses and uh, you know not much hair. So
1: wow. Okay. Cool Just had to ask. I'm sorry.
2: Um, okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, I taught at the Mike Kerb School of uh, you know Arts and Technology at Daytona State University, which is a brilliant thing. I don't know if you've heard of full sale university, but it, it was also it was a recording you know school you know taught you uh recording engineering music business you know was all around video editing I was you know a, but an arts and technology program i taught what, what was called contemporary ensemble which was basically you know school of rock everybody in the program had to you know play in a band basically and i taught three of those you know classes every semester um you know they and then uh, the kids would come in some of them were great musicians some of them were there for the more technical aspect of it and we sort of made them play if you know if they mm-hmm. couldn't play guitar you know you could play tambourine or you know right. but most of the kids in our programs you know were musicians at you know at some level so that's like basically what I taught and i think the, the thing that i tried to convey the most was that hey listen you know, i was on a number one record and here i am in your classroom talking about it and i live right down the street from you so mm-hmm success is not as far away as you may think, you know. So I mean, tried to teach individual, you know, skills and um, how to how to learn songs. I mean, that's basically what I did was run rehearsals and try to show, you know, the kids how to run a rehearsal, how to practice, how to let ear train by listening to records, you know, what key is that in, you know, what chord is that, you know, things like that. So just really basic um, beginning band techniques, you know.
0: That's you know, what I was teaching. You know what I get from you, Brian, is you are really grounded in in who you are, mm-hmm. and in your craft, and you're not uh, where you where I've seen, and you've probably seen too, what people who they kind of get out there and a little oh. prima donnish. Oh. You know, they want to you know strut their feathers around and. Oh. They're they're like the greatest thing since sliced bread, oh, yeah. but you know there's something else that'll come along. But you seem to be very grounded, and I really appreciate listening to that. It 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 makes it um, you know more enjoyable from my end knowing that okay the guy that's playing that he's just a real guy. Yeah. he's not somebody who thinks he's you know somebody has got to wait on him and anything like that. I don't so, know if um, okay. you've had that comment made or what kinda
2: of have Well, I appreciate that. That's I consider that a high compliment. Um, so that's how I think about myself. I mean, I'm just a, a normal guy that happens to play guitar and enjoys it, and you know, and has been able to do it for a lot of years um, and make a living at it. Um, right. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really down too much with the prima donna guys. You know, like I said, there, there are guys that are stars, and they, they said that that is one of the things they have to deal with is that ego. You know self-esteem and you know and how you you know envision yourself as an entertainer you know some guys we you know we used to call it lsd you know elite singer disease and um <laughs> <laughs> you know but they but some guys you know need that you know with that ego or whatever it is you get to maintain their their stardom i guess you know i don't know it's, it hasn't been my problem i guess because i'm don't consider myself that in that category of that entertainer um but yeah, well, thank you. Like I said, I, I, what you said was um, very complimentary to me, and I appreciate that because that's the way I think about it. I think about it as a job, and and I enjoy meeting people that have the same frame of mind that I have. And, you know, so, I mean, I've been playing a long time, and I've met hundreds of musicians, and the guys that I tend to hang out with and talk to and remain friends with all sort of think about it the same way I do, you know? They run into people at an airport. Hey, how's it going? Where are you going? And, what city right. are you playing in? And right. stuff like that. You know, it's just um, right. You know, that's the way I look at it. It's just a, a, a fun job.
0: Yeah, that's neat. Yeah, it's
1: kind of nice to be normal. It's like yeah, I, I like you said. Yeah, I live down the street. You know, and when I get done, you know, I'm on stage. There's twenty thousand people out there. I gotta go and I just go home. Right. <laughs> Sleep in my bed. Yeah. Right. It's like you you know, know, you know, get, get in got my car and drive grand. home. Yeah. I know. It's like, <laughs> nothing special. So, but it is special. It, it is, is very special. Yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, what you give us is very special. It's it's a very special gift. Yeah, and,
2: I'm, and I'm, gift. Very, you yep. know, I'm, I'm very blessed. I consider myself blessed to do something that I love like yep. that and, you know, right. have it go over well with people. Yeah.
0: And get paid to travel, too. Oh, why not? You That's know? it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so so when you, when you get paid to travel at the Lincoln Theater in downtown Belleville, <laughs> April the 13th at 8 p.m., what can fans expect
2: well, you know, we're going to obviously play some of the Fog Ed hits that everyone loves to hear and, and we love to play. Uh, We've got a couple deep cuts from uh, albums. We're going to play a couple new songs that are going to be on our upcoming album, which is I'm um, making right now. We finished principal recording and I'm mixing it. Uh, so we'll have something out in the summer, new release, studio. And, uh, you know, you might hear something a little funky maybe at the end. you yeah, never know. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Is it? It's got to be hard to do uh, new rock music nowadays. I mean, I always see all these classic rock. Uh, I I was a disc jockey in the seventies. I remember when Foghat hit hit the scene, and Sammy Hagar and uh, Thin Lizzy, and all these bands were coming out at that time. But I don't see that kind of a surge anymore. I mean, for rock and roll to be there. Uh, it is it. It's kind of be a difficult thing. Is it difficult? I don't. I mean, maybe I'm missing yeah, something um, here. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, it's difficult uh, trying to get new music by classic rock bands out there. You know, I mean, you have we have our fan base, and so we'll sell to our Fogette fans from our website, and you know, we're all digital music. You know, sold these days. We actually the last. Few releases we did, did vinyl runs too hmm. so you know we have a fan base that'll buy some of our stuff it's not like the old days where you know it's in the millions right. i don't think anybody is really no. anymore oh. um you know except the, the, top, the very tip of the pyramid but um yeah it's just the whole music business is different as you well know mm-hmm. uh, the way you distribute music the way people consume music i mean i can remember in years past Worrying whether there was two or three seconds between tracks on a vinyl record, you know, just, mm. you know, from a wow. artistic standpoint, you know, does this song run well into that one? Does it, you know? So, mm. as a part, you know, I was on a, the Grammy board for a long time and the, and the producers and engineers wing. And this was a discussion where when digital albums, are, you know, got put up on iTunes, it goes alphabetical, you know, it takes the concept mm-hmm. of a record, uh-huh. pretty much destroys it. You know, so we were, you know, trying to figure out ways in the new digital age to, you know, keep the integrity of a record, right. you know, song order. And, you know, because it was a big thing back then, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you want a rocker going into a ballad? Do you want this song going that? Right. Should it wait four seconds to, you know, let the atmosphere shift before the next mm-hmm. song comes up? So all those kind of artistic considerations in making a record have totally changed. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's almost like the singles market now, like the 50s. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yes, I don't know. Young bands have a whole different set of challenges than us classic rock guys do. You know, we have our records, you know, out there. And, in fact, we just, you know, released, um, there's a compilation came out on uh, the first five. That record just came out as a digital CD package this past week. Mm -hmm. And so we have those records, and they're in the can, and they're, you know, sequenced, and they are the way they are how you make a new record for an old band well we just do it for fun now and um, <laughs> you know we, we record at our leisure I, we have a recording studio in Central Florida and we just we rehearse and write and we record and once we have a bunch of songs we like we put something out mm. but yeah it's quite different from the 70's obviously how fun
0: sounds like fun good for you guys yeah, you know like we're fun. we're gr- grateful that you took the time today to talk to us we've been talking to Brian Bassett he's guitarist for Foghat Hat. They are performing at the Lincoln Theater in downtown Belleville, April the 13th at 8 p.m. Brian, thank you very much for taking time to talk to us. We greatly appreciate it and have enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Well, thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thanks, guys. Take care.
0: All right, Brian. Great. Be
1: careful. Okay. Wow. Wow. (laughs) What a great guy. What a great guy. That was fun. I wasn't sure how it was going to go. He is articulate he's smart (laughs) he's been around the block a few times if i might
0: say yeah on on the board of the grammys uh for producing and you know it's like he's he's really got his fingers in a lot of different pies that all relate to what he loves to do is uh, music right right what a swell guy yeah
1: swell guy i'm not kidding he's just a swell guy yeah because a
0: a lot of a lot of times you don't get that kind Uh -uh. of uh response no not at all Uh uh-uh yeah Wow,
1: what a, what a band. Uh, I mean, there are so many great songs. Uh, I Just Want to Make Love to You was one of them. Right, Ride, 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 Slow Ride. driving Wheel. Yes. Stone yeah. Blue. Oh, there's Fool for the City. Yep. You know, that's all 70s stuff. But it, it kind of lasts the test of time. And there's still, you know, there's kids in their 20s that I know that are listening to some of this stuff.
0: Well, what's interesting is he was talking about country music, and country music has taken on... And yeah. you've done country yeah. music for a long, long time. Yeah. It's it's taken on all these different flavors, uh-huh. and so you, you've got country rock, and you have yeah. country this and country yeah. that, and it's yeah. it's like this amalgamation of yeah. of things: yeah. southern of, rock, southern yeah. country, yeah, a lot of different gospel country. You know, that's
1: it. There's a lot of different ways. Yeah, American music.
0: It's just American music. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, Mark, name a band because it's interesting how bands got their name. Matter of fact, Foghat. Uh-huh. Let me pull this up here real fast, if I can. Uh, how did they ever get a name like Foghat? Now, I know Fleetwood
1: Mac is Mick Fleetwood. You know he got that right. Uh, let's see here. That's uh, a drummer. I I don't know if you ever sp- pay pay it. I mean uh, Mick Mick Fleetwood. What a what a drummer he was or is. He still is, but. I, I don't know if he's doing any work at all anymore but uh you should next time you, let's try to listen to the drum going on in a Fleetwood Mac song it's a it's an amazing thing he's got a whole different beat than any other drummer I've heard
0: yeah he that was a combination of the last names of Mick Fleetwood and bassist uh, John McVie McVie right right yeah. so foghat Uh When interviewer Gary James asked drummer Roger Earl, who's, he's the original drummer, he's still with the group, is there a significance to the band's name? And he said, no real significance. Lonesome Dave threw out the name when he was like 12 or 13. He was playing a kind of Scrabble game with his brother, and Dave came up with a name and insisted it was a name. It's kind of like you're playing Scrabble, and you go, (laughs) no, that's a word. No, that's a word. That's a word. And Dave was, was right. We were on our way into the studio to do the artwork for the first album and we didn't have a title for the band so we had to decide and it was Foghat. Foghat. Is it one word or two words? It's one word. Okay, just want to make that clear. So how about while I'm here, foreigner, the band Foreigner? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. British guitarist Mick Jones started the band in New York since he was a foreigner, uh-huh. he chose that for the name. Oh foreigner okay the, these origins of all right. band names is very fascinating so yeah. give me another band mark
1: how about i'll give you an individual you may not know this i'll tell you real quick i conway twitty okay all right that's not his real name i i couldn't tell you what conway twitty's real name is i can't remember what it is but his name comes from conway arkansas and twitty texas mm. I, I don't know why but conway arkansas and twitty texas that's where conway
0: twitty got his name that's interesting it's a little country trivia Uh, Bill Haley and his Comets. Okay. Known as the Saddlemen until 1952, WPWA radio station program director Bob Johnson suggested Haley, rhymes with Bailey, take advantage of the common mispronunciation of Halley's, rhymes with Sally's Comet. Bill Haley and his Comets. What a way to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Now there was was a Jefferson
1: airplane and Jefferson starship. Yes, I, I don't know what there was a there was something there. I never right. really understood the different. There was yeah, it was Jefferson airplane, but then it became Jefferson starship or vice versa, or versi vice
0: or however you say it. <laughs> <laughs> Inspired by the blues player Blind Lemon Jefferson uh-huh. and the name of a friend's dog, Jefferson airplane is also slang. For a used paper match split open to hold a marijuana joint that has been smoked too short to hold without burning the hands. Oh, my goodness. An improvised roach clip.
1: <laughs> ah, it never knew that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right, let's 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 do another one here. Uh, Crosby, Stills, obviously, that, and Nash. And Young. And, and Young, right? Once, oh, yeah. While still trying to decide on a name for the new group, the trio considered calling themselves the Frozen Noses as a vague reference to their growing cocaine habit. They also came close to including their drummer, Dallas Taylor, but decided that drummers were expendable. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Holy smokes, that's tough. Wow, that's tough stuff. Uh, Rolling Stones. Uh, From the Muddy Waters song, Rolling Stone, the name was suggested by guitarist Brian Jones. Huh okay you have to if you're going to do the rolling stones you have to do the beatles i am and the fab four that was very fascinating when i read that one i i was really surprised actually john paul george and ringo because the crickets were cited as an inspiration for the name of the beatles additionally the misspelling of beatles Uh b-e-e-t-l-e-s their names spelled b-e-a-t-l-e-s was a play on words describing the beat of the band Beatles. Beatles. Oh.
1: Whoa. Oh. So I never all these years I've yeah. lived on this earth and never knew. So it had to do
0: with the beat of the band. Right, right. Get out of here. Yeah, I, I, just, I thought this was just we really, learned really interesting.
1: On the Saint Louis Intune show all the time.
0: Yeah. I'm telling you, there's always something new to learn on Saint Louis Intune. There is. And now I kind of knew this one. Mario Speedwagon. Uh all right. So REO Speedwagon was actually a model name of a line of trucks built by REO Motor Corporation of Lansing, Michigan. I, I knew that. that. I didn't know that. REO is derived from the initials of Ransom Eli Olds, Oldsmobile, who left Oldsmobile, the company he founded to form REO in 1905. Wow. Weird. REO Speedwagon. Yeah. Huh. There was a St.
1: Louis band, Head East. I'm not sure where that came from. But Head they, East? Yeah, Head East That was a big St. Louis band um, That that started here um, I'm sure they may not have anything on Head East I don't
0: think head east let me look yeah, here i'm, they probably I'm don't. looking here no, see yeah. i see uh, humble pie oh humble pie that's a good one okay. that's a good old rock and roll humble pie when peter frampton formerly of the herd oh, and ex right. small faces member steve marriott got together they chose the name humble pie because they did not want the press to call them a supergroup.
1: ah mm-hmm. huh hmm yeah peter frampton was a big deal I mean, oh yeah, Frampton Live? What a monster. What a monster hit. The Four Tops?
0: Okay. Originally calling themselves the Ames, A-I-M-S, it was suggested to the Detroit Quartet that they might be confused with the then-popular Ames Brothers. Since they had chosen their name because they were aiming for the top, the group became the Four Tops. Oh, my. I like Four Tops better. Yeah, I do, too. It's a good thing. Good thing they didn't do it. So anything. really cool. This is um, a- all right, one more. Oh, really? Okay. The Eagles.
1: Okay, uh, they're American band.
0: <laughs> Their name was inspired by the Birds. Okay. Who were a big influence on the Eagles. They started out as the Teen Kings and later the Emergencies. Don Henley recalled, we wanted something simple and we wanted something American and we wanted something that was easy to remember and something with a little spiritual value. Eagles sounded very American football teams and street gangs. Oh, wow. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Wow.
1: Wow. That's interesting. Well, it's been a fun show. It has been. Especially, uh, even if you're not a rock and roll, you know, you've heard these names, you've heard this stuff, and uh, it's good to hear what's going on with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, kind of make you a little more round, well-rounded.
0: Oh yeah, a little more worldly. So uh, you have some days today. Apparently, we always do. This is Mark's th- the day of the day. <laughs> today is idea. the day of
1: of uh, National Burrito
0: Day. Ooh, you like burritos? Yes, I do.
1: All right, I'm not crazy about burritos, but it's uh, because they're so big. Right. That's the small thing burritos. With, I'm uh, yeah. National Siamese Cat Day. Never had a Siamese cat. <laughs> I've got cats, but I never had a Siamese cat. Nope. My neighbors did. I know. If, if never mind, I'm not going to even talk about it. Okay. <laughs> Let's see National Student Athlete Day. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if you were ever an athlete when you were a student. Yeah, uh, I tried to be. A, tried to be one. I was. I was a center on the football team. Okay. The only reason was because I was the smallest, littlest guy, and I wanted. I knew when I snapped the ball. I had one chance <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to get him, you know, so right. sneak attack. Right, right. So I snapped the ball and hit him, and I, that was it. It was that all was over it. after that. New Beer Eve. New Beer Eve. In 1933, the government ended prohibition. And this date uh, is uh, to grab a beer and toast your ability to drink it again. Interesting. So you weren't able to drink it. Army Day. Today is Army Day. Uh, let's see. Uh, California Poppy Day. Who cares? We're not in California, but they do listen to us in California. Yes, they do. Fresh Tomato Day. Mm, it's tough yeah. to find fresh tomatoes. It is, especially this time of year. Uh huh. Let's see. Uh, this is Holy Thursday. We're, right. right. Tomorrow's Holy Friday. Right. Uh, and you, you know what happened on Holy Thursday? This was when uh, Christ had His Last Supper. Last Supper. supper. The mm-hmm. Last Supper, and they washed His feet. Right. Yep, this is uh, all right. Here's here's one of your favorites. I know this is your favorite. This is you. He, he folks. He used to bring one of these in all the time. Coffee, National Coffee Day? No, Hostess
0: Twinkie Day. Oh, no, that's yours. You've he, got those stashed all over the place. What? Are,
1: what is it? <laughs> what is it made out of?
0: That's the key thing. Oh, you remember when they were going to stop making those things? Oh my gosh, they did stop. There was an outcry.
1: There was. Another company picked them up.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I don't think and they, they were, were made, actually, in Overland, Missouri. No. Yes. Stop. Yes.
1: You're a wealth of information. I'm learning more on St. Louis in Tune than I ever That's have. That's why everybody should always tune in to, to St. Louis in Tune. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, International Day of Sport for Development and Peace. Okay, never mind. That's like basketball. So anyway, Jump Over Things Day. This is Jump Over Things
0: Day. I thought that was the other
1: day when I fell on my head. (laughs) Did you fall on your head? Oh, no. Okay, so we had the Beer Day thing. Now it's National Alcohol Screening Day as well. They throw all this together. What about National Caramel Popcorn Day?
0: Oh, that's good. Is that one of your favorites? Yeah, I like caramel popcorn. And stuff with and you know butter i like butter i like the cheddar yeah. cheese stuff yeah. man just don't, don't give me any old mates oh,
1: no, no, man. I, no old mates they say you're not supposed to eat popcorn though it gets stuck in your teeth and between your yeah, you floss and, uh, who yeah. cares yeah, i floss. don't care i'll eat popcorn yeah, all the time it's good for you i know it i know it especially with a lot of butter uh-huh national <laughs> ben- that's it let's see national uh, employee benefit day national food face day so you're supposed to put a little funny face on your food today. Oh, I thought you're supposed to put your face in the food. <laughs> no, you're not supposed to do that. National Library Day. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how political you want to get right now. Not No. No? I no. have stuff on that, but
0: I'm not going to talk about really? it Really?
1: Right about the Missouri State Legislature? Yeah. Yeah, I got a whole thing on the Missouri State they were, Legislature. Because they were mad at the libraries for uh, not uh, throwing a books out. That uh, This is terrible. It's oh, a terrible I just, thing. I, I Here's my thing. <laughs> Can I just say one one thing about my saying? It. It's a free country. Don't take my free rights away. Right. You know, it, it, put the book on the shelf. If I want to read it, I'm going to read it. If I don't want to read it, I won't read it, you know? Let's have a discussion about the book. <laughs> oh, we want local control. Oh, no, but we don't want it right here. Don't take, yeah, freedom of speech is the First Amendment. I mean, I get. I just, people say, I don't want to hear that. It's like, no, people have a right to talk. They have a right to read things. You know, let them make their own decisions. They'll figure it out. I know it. And then let's just take away funding because <laughs> you won't yeah. go along yeah. with but it. the senate put it back in <laughs> thank goodness somebody's got yeah. they're some, not a some sense in their head i just have a couple more national pajama day yeah. have you ever wanted to uh, go to work in your pajamas have you ever done that i've never done that no no national sorry charlie day sorry charlie national that... charlie day allows us to pause and reflect on the re- on the rejections that we face throughout our lives oh i thought that was like the
0: tuna guy <laughs> that remember the tuna <laughs> no. oh, sorry charlie
1: that's right that's what I, that's what i thought just a couple more here national teflon day oh yeah, that's this teflon one. don yeah that's when they made teflon stuff and uh two more um New Beers Eve. New Beers Eve. Yep. Enjoy a sip of your favorite drink. Right? Cuz this is when it, and then the last one is World Table Tennis Day. Oh. Do you ever play ping pong?
0: Yes. You're a ping pong guy? I'm not a good ping pong player. Okay. Well, we got about 5 minutes left. Maybe yeah. less. Wow. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, the people who are the best to share a secret with husbands. They're the best people to share a secret with. Really? They'll never tell anyone because they aren't even listening. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, no. I love this one. At my boss's funeral, kneeling and whispering at the coffin, who's thinking outside the box now, Gary? Oh, oh that's terrible! That's terrible! Oh, gosh. Wow! When I get bored, I call in sick to places I don't even work. Tomorrow, I'm getting written up at Walmart. <laughs> Wow! Oh my I'm waiting to retire so I can get up in the morning and go drive really slow and make everyone late for work. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow! <laughs> wow! Uh, I, I called my boss and asked if I could come in a little late. He said, dream on. I think that was really nice of him.
1: <laughs> I don't think that's what he meant, but
0: go ahead. Uh, oh, my gosh. An elderly woman was walking her dog when a young man grabbed her purse and ran away. I asked if she was okay, and she smiled and said, it's really no big deal because she carries her old purse to put her dog's poop in until she gets home to dispose of it. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to love that. If laziness was an Olympic sport, I would come in fourth just so I wouldn't have to walk up to the podium. <laughs> now, Mark, you have cats. Uh-huh. I have a cat and a dog. Does anyone else tell their pets, I'll be back soon when you leave the house, or is it just me?
1: Uh, it's just you.
0: No, I do it. I do So my agenda for the day, let the dog in, let the dog out, uh-huh. let the dog in, uh-huh. let the dog out. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. you got to let him in.
1: You forgot to let him in. <laughs> you, <laughs> uh, to
0: let him. you know, there's this pay it forward kind of. Thing. You know, you've heard of that, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. All right, I just paid it backwards by telling the drive-through lady that the car behind me is paying for my stuff.
1: Wow! To <laughs> 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 oh, work. Oh, this oh. one's
0: going to take too long oh, because there's so in. many of them. So you
1: will receive some parking gifts oh, okay, from us. It. Thank you I, so I, very much.
0: All right, yeah. so here, find a man who ruined your lipstick, darling, not your mascara. <laughs> That's actually wise beyond your years. Very wise. Okay. I'll say that again find a man who ruins your lipstick, darling, not your mascara.
1: So that's, you know, we should have a. Where's the audience? The audience. Ooh, needs a, I knew we need. A, ooh, I don't know where anything is anymore. Ooh, Ever since we I have moved, some parting gift for you. I can't find a thing. <laughs> I don't know where anything is anymore. Okay.
0: A ding, ding will work. I know it. All right.
1: Hands on those buzzers, please. Okay. <laughs> hands on <those> buzzers. I'm <laughs> yeah. still looking. I'm still looking for something.
0: All right. Find. We'll we'll figure that one out, folks. We're glad that you joined us today. Yeah, fun. That's all for this hour. uh Oh. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Don't forget when the Martians invade, they're not fog hat. But there's always only been one race, the human race, and every one of us have different characteristics and is uniquely valuable. St. Louis in Tune is a production of Motif Media Group and the U.S. Radio Network. For St. Louis in Tune, co-host Mark Langston, I'm Arnold Stricker. Remember to walk worthy and let your light shine.